But without any other uh, stuff, we want to hand it over. Can you guys all give it up for Pastor Daniel and Amanda? They're coming up. And just to say, I'm pretty sure you all know them, but these are like family to us. They were both in our wedding, which was 12 years ago this Saturday on right here, right? We met in this room and yeah, we pretty much have our high school degree in marriage now. <laughs> lots, <clears throat> lots and lots of fun. We got to help make Tim and Rachel possible. <laughs> we all got to help... Cr- create opportunities. But I am really excited for us to get to share tonight. I got thinking about, um, about sharing, and I, I want to give you guys, I'd like to end with a Q&A when we get done. So if you have any questions or any questions pop up as we're going, if you text ResLife to 94,000. So whenever you're texting Res anything, it's 94,000. If you text ResLife, it'll shoot you back a, a list of options. Hit number three. Send that back in and then send in your question and my phone will go off and then we'll get to those hopefully at the end. But um, as I was getting ready to share, I got, I I entitled this Love, Lost, and Found Um, because a lot of couples start in, in great love and they get married on purpose and then somewhere along the lines it seems to just dissipate, fade, and can become a housing arrangement. Um, but I had a friend who gave us really good advice before we got married. He sat me down and he said, Daniel, the honeymoon is not a destination. The honeymoon is not a, um, a period of time. He goes, it's a series of choices. And it will last as long as you keep making those choices. And it just got me thinking, going, um, love isn't, the, the, the feeling, these, this honeymoon time, isn't something that automatically has this open door. We get here, it happens. We get here, it ends. It literally is about these choices because love is a choice. The feelings are a byproduct of the, cho- of the choices that you make. Yeah, It's so good. And it was one of those things where I was shocked at how much bad advice we got before we got married from well-meaning people, like just saying like, oh yeah, like when we were first married, don't worry, the first year is always the hardest. It'll get better as if it was supposed to be like so bad or something. And I was like, oh man, well, if it just gets better, we're doing great. (laughs) But part of that is we had people who sewed into us good words, like the honeymoon is a set of choices that you make. And I've heard so many times where people say, yeah, we're married, but it's more like we're roommates. And I'm sure you've all heard the saying, well, we fell out of love. And that's a very common thing to have happen on and off. You know, we go through different seasons. It's easy to get busy or to find whatever excuse or reason that there is for the moment to stop making those choices and to kind of get in a rut and to start feeling like, oh, like we just kind of go by each other but we don't feel those in love feelings anymore. And so that's kind of what we want to talk about was how do you keep that alive? If it is dead, how do you get it back? And how do you maintain that for the future so it doesn't go back there? Yeah, because there's so often, it beca- there's this myth that the feelings of love are totally out of your control and that they come or they go whether you're lucky or not. 
And so it's like, oh, yep, we, we, we got them. Oh, yep, I lost them. But when this other girl's around, they showed up. And, and it can become this thing where they, they think that they're subject to whatever just happens. And that's just not true. And I was, as I started studying this out, I don't know, maybe a month ago, I had this thought that there's a group who have fallen in love on accident. And I, I got thinking about who is the worst person at love? Um, and I thought, probably the person who's having an affair. But I realized that there are, there's like massive failures where someone's like, I am going to go be an idiot. But m most of them don't intend to. And I thought, well, how is it that they cannot want to fall in love and fall in love while these other people are going, I wish I was in love and can't seem to? And thought, what things are they doing? What choices can we make that end up with the result of those feelings? And thought, well, let's look at some of these things that cause it. Because it literally, if you'll do certain things, it will stir things up whether you intend to or not. And a lot of times people, just assuming that it's out of their control, don't make on-purpose choices. Yeah, it's just so important, I think, to remember that love is a choice. It's a series of decisions that you make. And if you find yourself falling out of love, you can fall back into it. And that there is that hope. And there is that, not the condemnation of, oh, fell out of love, got to find something new. But what can I do different now? Yes, they had these stools way too far apart. <laughs> Pursue, never, never give up. All right, but no, but there, there's, there's a lot of fun. And I, we're going to go through a few different things. But I took and just jotted down five different things that other stuff's going to fall underneath these. But these five things we do really well when we're dating. And if you keep doing them after you're married, it'll be like you're still dating. But a lot of times we forget. And these five are time, attention, delight, priority, and value. And these look different as you put them into the different areas of what does that look like in our communication? What does that look like as we manage these different things? And we'll talk about a few of those. But again, it's time, attention, delight, priority, and value. And it's so easy. Um, I was just talking to someone before service who, um, one of my friends who's a writer. And every November, he like shuts his life down and writes an entire book in a month. And this is just, <clears throat> there's a name for it. It's like nano something or other. And uh but this is a thing for him. And I'm like, cool. It's November. I'm going to hunt. You write a book. We're friends. Whatever. Like, <laughs> it's all good. But in that month, he shuts, like, a lot of his, he doesn't, like, anti-friend. He just doesn't hang out with anybody. But he's dating somebody. And so I was, I'm like, hey, how did it go? Did she survive November? And, and he's like, well, yeah, I, I made time for her. I mean, we had, I just spent more time writing. But I, I made sure to make time for her. And it was just this reminder that as we're dating, we go through and we go, I have all of these priorities, but I'm going to make you a priority and I'm going to put focus and I'm going to put time into this. 
And when we keep doing that, it creates and stirs these things up. But so often, we did that while dating, and then we get married, and we're like, sweet, you're there. I'm busy. It's November. Like, it's, it's, it's book right. It's tree time. It's whatever, like, whatever the thing is. But when we, when we spend time focusing on something, meditating on something, it produces desire. In James, it tells us that we're led away when we meditate and desire on wrong things. In Matthew, Jesus tells us uh, to store up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. <clears throat> when you meditate on something and you start delighting in something, your desire for it grows. Has anyone ever like started looking at making a large purchase? Started shopping for it, test drove a car, any of those? Yeah, you're like, you're like I think I kind of want it. Then you go test drive it, you're like, ooh. <laughs> and then like, you're like, your brain starts to like ponder it, and you're like, I'd really like it. If I had that car, then I could, I could pull this, I could drive this, I could fit everybody. I could actually fit things in my vehicle. And like, when you start delighting in something, when you start focusing on something. Can you tell what he's looking for? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can go through a few, but... Um, but there's these different things. When I begin to focus on it, when I begin to delight in it, my desire for it grows. This is true in, in my shopping. This is true. I, I may have a slightly obsessive personality. Um, so I, I, I get into something. And so like right now, I got, uh, just got an exercise bike that came with like a year membership to iFit. And so I've been having all sorts of fun with this. But the more that I think about it, ponder it, mess with it, time I devote to it, the more it grows. The more that you're like, oh, this is, and then I end up talking about it with different people. The more you talk about it, the more like, yeah, now I got to make sure I reach my goal. And like, it grows. The same thing is true relationally. That the more time, attention, focus, and delight that you give it, the more that your desire is going to grow. And so it becomes this huge thing of going, all right, will I make the time? Will I give you the time? Will I give you the focus? And will I choose to focus with gratitude and not just on my frustrations? Yes, it's so important to think about those things. So we were kind of talking because we have an awesome marriage. We really like each other. It's not just for show. <laughs> and we were like, okay, why do we have an awesome marriage? Like, why do we like each other so much? You know, like we've been married, it'll be 13 years in February. We're like, what are the things that we have done maybe that we don't even recognize? <laughs> and you know, one of those things, what having to do with those five, was making sure that we're respecting each other. When he's going to make decisions, he always is talking to me. And we were talking, you know, that's true. Whenever we are talking to people that are dating, especially before they're married, it's always, uh, oh, yeah, I want to talk to them about this, that. I'm, I'm thinking about making this purchase. Or I want to maybe go to Colorado. I wonder if they want to go to Colorado. I wonder if they've ever been. Maybe I should make a road trip. You know, and they always, whatever they're doing, they tend to incorporate the person that they're dating that they really like. And then I hear from some of my married friends occasionally of, oh, I can't wait to go on vacation, like with just all the girls. Well, did, did you go on vacation with your husband? Oh, my gosh, he's such a drag. And just you notice the shift in the language. 
and the respect tends to kind of taper off. And that's sad. And that can be a lot of times where that little compromise kind of slips in, where it's like, oh, well, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But it's those little things. Where, not that it's wrong to have a girl's vacation. That's not what I'm saying. But <laughs> when you're more excited about getting away from your husband than you are with getting away with your husband, that's when you're like, hmm, something needs to change. What, what has shifted? Because I didn't, why would you marry someone if you felt like that beforehand, right? You marry them because you like to be with them. So it's like, what happens? What shifts once we're married that we can hopefully shift back? And I was just reading this week, and they were going over this and going, how, how often when we're dating, we try to engage in the other person's interests because we want to win them. And then a lot of times, once people get married, they're like, all right, I caught you. It's done. By the way, I never actually liked romantic movies, um, football, whatever it was that they were, they were doing. And as I was, uh, Dr. Harley, as he was writing about this, he just, he made it really simple. It's like, if you are making your fondest memories without them, it will draw you apart. If you're making your fondest, greatest memories with them, it will draw you together. And it's and I'm like that that seems kind of obvious. Like when you when you read it, when you say it that way, but it's just such a simple thing of going, are you spending time together? And if you don't like some of the same things, we'll figure out what it is that you can enjoy doing together. It's not that every single thing you do has to, but making time investing time for them changes things. Yeah, and being willing to do something you don't love. I don't love hunting, guys. I don't. <laughs> but I do it because he loves it. And I'm okay with that. I don't hate it. It's not going to kill me. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, there's no reason I can't. And it's the same thing. It's figuring out, okay, what is he passionate about? What does he like? And how can I be a part of that? Even if I don't necessarily, I wouldn't do it without him, you know? Yep. And he does the same thing for me. He looks for what do I like? What are things that I'm interested in? And how can he fit himself inside of that too? Because just like he said, I thought that was so funny. Earlier he had said it. If you do things that are separate, you will become more separate. <laughs> like, oh, it sounds so simple. <laughs> but then when you really think about it, you're like, oh, yeah. How often do we try to do things separate without really realizing it? Because it makes more sense if you think about it. Like, well, you don't like that, so I'll just do it. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you like that. Well, then you just go do that. That's fine. I'll just go hang out over here. And then all of a sudden you realize, whoa, all of our separates keep multiplying. <laughs> and all of our togethers are fewer and far between. And uh, you may have heard the expression that absence makes the heart grow fonder. It's not true. Um, meditation makes the heart grow fonder. In person or apart, if you will spend your time focused on them and delighting in them, it will stir your heart towards them. But if it's just a matter of, hey, I'm going to head over here and I'm going to engage in things that, have, that don't remind me of you or make me grateful that you're not here because you hate them, like whatever... You, when you navigate down that road, you're taking it a different path. 
if you're trying to take different paths while holding hands, it doesn't work very well. And a lot of couples end up going, I don't understand how we drifted apart. And I've talked to some of them and been like, how did you think you were going to stay together? You work, you have your schedule set up so you see each other in passing. You tell me that you only see each other on the weekend and then you use the weekend to go hang out with your friends. And it's just, it's so easy to slip into and to let busyness take their place and just going, all right, if I will make the effort to make sure that I make time for you, time with you, and then figuring out and defining what that time needs to look like is huge. We had, um, we had a fun one with that. You're missing it? All right, but this is good. She forgot. Um, <laughs> there are some things that are, that are best when they can forget. But there was a, there was a season where um, we were spending, we, we were busy. And, and we just weren't spending enough quality time together. I didn't realize it. I was getting enough time, and I was, I was counting time where we would watch a show together, and I would, I would touch her and hold her, and therefore it counted because we were touching. Um, and touch is my love language or one of them. And so I'm like, all right, we're, we're touching. This counts. But it didn't count for her. It doesn't count for me. So she, was, so she was started feeling empty. When she started feeling empty, she started complaining. So she would start complaining about things. And I'm like, okay. So she complained that... She needed help with, uh, like, the dishes. I will help with the dishes. Then she complained about the backyard. So I will tear that stuff up. I will rip it up, till it up multiple times, bring in more dirt, put in some grass seed, and come in totally exhausted from fixing the things that she complained about. So now I'm toast. Let's, like, sit down, watch something, spend a little bit of time together while we just cuddle, leaving her more empty to complain about more things. Touch is not my love language. And so... We go through this, and I don't know, I'm like a couple weeks into just her complaining about everything. And I am like busting my butt trying to do and fix everything that she's complaining about. And the more that I work at fixing the things that she complains about, the more things she finds to complain about. And he did it all with a good attitude, too. And it was pretty impressive. Finally, I was like, God, help. <laughs> For real, like... I remember walking around the corner frustrated to no end and literally going, God, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I have been taking the list that she complains about and I have been diligently applying myself and busting my butt and it's getting worse instead of better. And God goes, ignore the list. He's so smart. And play a game with her. I, that, that just did not like... It, like, I'm like, are, are, you, are you, God's not wrong and you know that, but you're like, is that really God? Like, your wife's miserable, so ignore all of her complaints. I'm like, what? Like, anyways, <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so, <laughs> I know, so, so I did. I was like, all right, we're going to go play Rummy or something. I don't remember what card game we played, but we just sat down. And so all of a sudden it was now face-to-face -face interaction and conversation. Quality time. That's my love language. Quality time that counts. Watching a movie is not quality time. Even if you're touching. Like, yeah, like there's, <laughs> but there, there's this, this, it, there's importance in recognizing some of these differences in the way that you receive and speak love. Because I can speak love through acts of service, but there's a certain level where 
no matter how many acts of service I did, it was not going to fill the tank that was empty because of lack of quality time. But because I thought that touching while watching a movie meant quality time, I was thinking that box is checked off. And I can't tell you how many different husbands I've talked to and shared that story, and they're like, what? (laughs) Because they've found themselves with a spouse that was feeling empty, and so they begin to complain because when they were empty, everything bothered them. And when they tried to fix the things that were complained about, it was in vain. But it was amazing how it, it, fi- it got fixed. And I just have to give God the credit because there was no way I was going to come up with that on my own. Um, but the, the time made the difference. And prayer, the time. <laughs> well, learning your own love language as well as your spouse's. For me, before we got married, I thought my love language was touch. It's not. And love languages change and they shift. And so it's been learning, okay, if I am feeling empty, what is it that I am missing? You know, if the other things are getting checked, then maybe my love language has shifted. You know, especially once I had kids, my love language was definitely not touched. I got touched all day long. It's like nobody touched me for five minutes. But... (laughs) That things just kind of change as things go. So learning that and then always asking the Holy Spirit, I think, is just so vital. Like, he's always there. He says he wants to be the helper. But I think it's really easy to think, oh, well, I know this. I can fix this. I can figure this out. But just how quickly it actually got figured out when he was like, okay, Holy Spirit, what do I do with this woman? Because <laughs> I remember I was very whiny. <laughs> I'm sorry. True. Um, but, like, but it's... It's a thing, and one of the things that as you navigate stuff in marriage, that communication is monumental because it's the tool that you have to navigate all of the different obstacles that you're going to come up against. And there is this myth um, held probably mostly by women that he should just... I know exactly where you're going with this. (laughs) He should just know. Well, how can he not tell? He knows I'm upset. He can see my face. He knows that bothers me. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think when you can kill that myth, the faster you do, the happier you'll be just in general. Because that gets said so often when we are talking to couples that are having a spat or a frustration or on marriage issues at the time, it's this whole assumption that he just knows and he is doing it just to make me mad, or he's doing it because he doesn't care, he just doesn't love me. And it's that not assuming the best of our spouse, which is so vital in marriage. If he's not noticing and he's not seeing it, then tell him, you're not noticing it, you don't see it. (laughs) Because they're not mind readers. Nobody is. And it's so important to remember that if you have your spouse's best interest at hand, they likely have your best interest at hand. I mean, some people are just evil, but we're going to assume they're not. (laughs) And if you can say, okay, I'm assuming the best, then I need to tell you if I really want you to know something and not just say you should know or not try to make ugly faces or uh, put the trash in the middle of the room for you to trip over because I want you to take it out. Just say, take out the trash, honey, please. That's okay. And even, what was the other thing? Hints Uh, don't work or is it different? Yeah, hints don't work. Uh, So one of my other love languages is words of affirmation. 
I also get really excited when I clean things. <laughs> Sounds kind of silly, but it makes me happy when I finally like get a big project done. Like if I clean like the whole bathroom and it was gross before for whatever reason, I'm like, I cleaned off the whole table. So he'll come in. I don't want to wait for him to go figure it out. <laughs> so I'll be like, hey, go look in the bathroom. Go see what I did. <laughs> so helpful. <laughs> Otherwise you get this later. Did you notice? Crud. What did I not notice? <laughs> like he's like, all right, go into the bathroom. Now it's spot what's different. All right. <laughs> but, and he'll do the same thing for me. What was it, like last week or two weeks ago? He goes, did you notice the shower? Uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and I was like, oh, it's so clean. How did I not notice that you got all the hard water stains off? I don't even know. I did shower that day. But... <laughs> But it's so helpful that neither of us get frustrated with that and say, well, I can't believe you didn't even notice. I worked so hard on that. But it's just, hey, hey, did you see it? No? Well, go look. <laughs> you know, and treating it like, oh, I do assume the best. I do assume he wants to be excited. I assume that he wants to be happy for me. I assume that he's going to be happy about the things that I did and that he's going to encourage me in them. And that makes my reaction so much different. And when we're... When we're giving them the benefit of the doubt, love assumes the best of others. And when we do that and we communicate rather than going, they're just going to know, then it gives them an opportunity to navigate things. How we communicate is really, really important. Um, I'm bouncing in my notes. But um, communication is just so so important to be done and done with love. And I will get to that a little bit more in just a moment. I, I don't want to skip. Um, we, have, we could go all night, guys. Yeah. We had, we've had like cut off times anyway. Um, one of the, two of the other things that we talked about that people do when they're dating that can occasionally fall off is put in the effort to impress them. Now, not by lying or saying you like things you don't like. That's not what I mean. But impressing them, like... Something simple as taking care of yourself. Or um, for me, in the midst of babies, it was showering daily. Because sometimes you're like, I just, I'm only sleeping today. I'm sorry. That's all I have time for. Like, there are seasons when stuff happens. <laughs> but it's also important to remember that if we act like we don't care, if I were to say, like, well, I don't really care what you think about me. I already got you. I'm not going to take care of myself anymore. I'm not going to put in any effort then that makes him feel like, well, you don't even care about me. You know, when you care about someone and you're excited to be with them, like even when you go on a girl's night out, what do we do? We all dress up. A lot of times whenever we do girl things, it's like, ooh, how dressy should we get? Not if we're going to get dressy, but how dressy. <laughs> you know, like, oh, let's, ooh, should we get together and do our hair? You know, all these different things. And it's the same thing because you feel good when you take care of yourself. And it's the same thing in marriage. If you're taking care of yourself, you're feeling better about yourself. And that comes across in your confidence and it comes across in your attitude. And if you're a grump to be around at home, that doesn't make anybody want to rush home. Yeah, it's, so just taking this effort to go, I, you're the one I want to impress. And if you recognize that you get nice or you put an effort for everybody else, that that's a problem. Um, it's like when you get really frustrated that someone makes amazing food and you're like, oh, that looks so great. This isn't for you. <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> like, oh, these, these cookies are for the neighbors. They're for the work party. And you're like, what? What about me? But like, it's funny when it's cookies, 
But it can be done with cookies. It can be done with time. It can be done with how you dress. It can be done with whether or not um, how, you, how you take care of yourself. But when you just go through and go, hey, I am going to put in the effort. You are the one that I want to impress. And when you keep doing that, there's this magical thing that can happen where you keep impressing them. And, but, but for real, it's so simple. But we often go, I want to stay in love with them. I want to stay, I want to keep bringing those warm fuzzies. I want to keep being excited when they're there, or I want them to keep being excited when I'm there. But if I go, I'm no longer going to put in any effort to try to do that, I can't be surprised when it stops working. And so it's the simple thing of going, I'm going to continue to put in effort to try to be impressive to you. And that can be, that can be working out, that can be showering, um, doing your hair, whatever. But it can be those simple things that you did, like opening the door for her, um, continuing to treat her like she's valuable, and going, like, I am still pursuing you. Can I still be a gentleman even though we're already married? Uh, we've, we've gone places and had people go, are you guys on your honeymoon? You're like, uh, a couple of years back, um, like 10 or 12. And... And they're surprised, but you still like her. You still pursue her. You're still holding hands. You, like, you got on the elevator and are still holding hands. I mean, you're, you're not, they, they just ask. They just figure we're newlywed. Someone asked if you were having an affair. <laughs> so you're like, you're either honeymooners or you're having an affair. Nobody acts like that. <laughs> um, but marriage can stay fun. You got to keep flirting. You know, that's one of the fun parts when you were dating, and it can still be fun when you're married. It's all those little things that you did. It's the things that, like, <laughs> we had someone to be like, oh, it's so gross. Okay, I, we get that occasionally, that it's so gross, okay, because we are pretty flirty and touchy and stuff. But usually people say, oh, that's so, <laughs> that's so <laughs> gross, mostly because they wish they were too. You know, because you're thinking to yourself, oh, I, why doesn't my spouse like me like that? Why doesn't, why don't we do that anymore? You know, and then you see, like, the, I would see people who would get, think it's so cute when you see an 80-year-old couple still holding hands in the park. Like, oh, I want to be them. They're still holding hands. That's so sweet. Like, but then you have to do it in your 40s. And you have to do it in your 50s. Like, we got to work your way there. You don't just, like, we're not holding hands for the next 35 years, and then we will again when we're 80. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, keep flirting never stop um when it, it should always it, it was fun before it should still be fun now don't be surprised when they flirt with you and don't shut them down if you shut them I, and i've seen it where they shut them down and then they get upset that they're not being pursued like um you you, you ask them not to and then because it's important to flirt without it having to go straight to sex but if you always have this assumption that if I flirt, then we have to, it can be like this, like, it's too much pressure. Like, I, don't, I don't want to. I'm not in the mood right now. I have 1,500 things to do. I can't even talk about that for three more hours. But flirting doesn't have to be end up with an end in mind. You know what I mean? It can be just having fun and just being flirty and not thinking like, oh, will you stop touching my butt? But be like, ooh, he touched my butt. <laughs> like, he still likes you. That's good. <laughs> like, we had to have a conversation years ago. And I had to let her know. I'm like, I like flirting with you. I will never turn down sex if it's going to lead there. But 
I like flirting with you regardless of whether it's going to turn into something soon or not. And that was a game changer because it took the pressure off. And then she's like, oh, you want to flirt? We can flirt? And we can worry about whether it goes somewhere later. But this is just fun because you like me. And it was so healthy to keep that inside the marriage and just to continue to pursue and to chase and to value and to spend that, that time loving and pursuing. Um, I wanted to make sure I get to this one, and it's 723. So, all right. In marriage, um, when we get into marriage, and this is, I think it's easier to do this right while you're dating, and a lot of people switch when they get married, but this difference of when you get into this relationship, are you trying to give or are you trying to take? If you have a marriage where both people are trying to give, where both people are trying to fulfill the other person's desires and dreams, you'll end up with a relationship that's full of gratefulness and love. If you have a relationship where everyone is trying to take or trying to get their needs met, you end up with a relationship that is empty and full of resentment. Um, One of the ways I think that really helps us in that respect is the Bible compares marriage to what it's going to be like with him. He calls us the bride of Christ. And when you read it, like Ephesians, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's just this comparison between how it's supposed to be with God. So when I think about how it's going to be with God, well, how would I treat him? If I was married to Jesus... What would I do? How would I respond to him? How would I handle those situations? And when I think about, you know, the Bible also talks about putting others, thinking of others more highly than ourselves. What does that look like? Well, one of the kind of silly things, I guess, that we (laughs) discovered early on in our marriage is we were both really trying to do that right. We both really love God. We wanted to honor him. We want to honor each other. We happened to go to the store separately. I don't even remember why, but We came home, and I was so excited because I bought his favorite ice cream. I contemplated buying mine because I was like, well, he would like it. But, oh, I just got to buy his. You know, I just was excited to bless him and make him happy. So I get home, and I'm like, you're never going to believe what I did. And I show him, like, look, I bought your favorite ice cream. And he goes, he just starts laughing because he had gone to the store, and he bought my favorite ice cream. (laughs) And it was one of those, like, oh, this is so much more fun. Like, we could have both bought our own. And we would have been fine. No, nobody would have been upset about it. I kind of like his favorite. He kind of likes mine. Like, it's not like it's a big deal. But it was so much fun to be like, oh, you thought of me when I thought of you. Oh, we're that gross couple. <laughs> <laughs> and we've just always done that from here on out. We're always thinking, okay, how would Daniel like this? How can I, what can I get? Oh, what do you have? Oh, definitely get the one that he would love. And he does the same for me. And it makes everything so much more fun. It's so much more fun to give than to receive, especially when you're doing it with your spouse and it's that flirty way of like, oh, you were thinking about me again? You know, and just keeping that awe <laughs> factor alive in your marriage makes things so fun. Well, and understanding that marriage is secular, like it runs on a cycle. And if... Um, what you do, if you're both in it for you, it will start out fine until one person makes a mistake. And if they're running a 50-50 where it's, all right, I'm going to do my half, you do your half, 
that'll make me happy, that'll make you happy, then as soon as someone does something stupid, whoever does the first stupid thing, it doesn't really matter, because now the other person responds with, well, you didn't do your part, so I'm not going to do my part. So then they're like, well, you didn't do your part, so I'm not going to do my part. So I'm not going to do my part, so I'm not going to do my part, and it just spirals out of control. Emerson Egrich calls it the crazy cycle. Um, and, it, and it just becomes this thing where, where we're responding based on how we feel. But the Bible doesn't say, treat your wife how she deserves. Lay your life down for her if she's amazing and honored you today. It doesn't tell her, honor, honor your husband if he was incredible and remembered to take out the trash this week. If he helped you carry the groceries in and did the dishes for you. It just says, as unto the Lord. And he goes, if you'll remove their performance from it, then when someone does something stupid, you instantly reverse the cycle and you don't let it become a cycle down. And I was, I was, as I was looking through, they go through, it is like, I was looking at the guy, his needs and her needs, I was reading this week. And he goes through and says, a guy's greatest need is sex. A girl's greatest need is affection, non-sexual affection, which guys, that is a thing. And so, um, but, but what, he, what he noted was when a guy is getting his sexual needs met, it is easier for him to be affectionate. When a girl is getting her non-sexual needs met, affectionate needs met, it's easier for her to be sexual. And so often, we're go, one person's going, well, you're not meeting my need, so I'm not going to meet your need, so then you're not meeting my need, and downward. But when instead someone goes, you know what, you may not have met my need, but I know that you still have a need, so let me meet your need. You still need non-sexual affection, regardless of what I am getting or not getting, so I'm going to make sure to love you and to pursue you regardless. And when I do that, or when she does that, you can reset it and go, okay, we're going to choose to spin this thing up. We're going to choose to set the cycle on purpose. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we haven't had any questions come in, I don't think. So let's go to one more section here. Um, this is under communication, but um, communicating is so important and valuing what they say, even if you don't get it. Um, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to about discussions that they've had in their marriage, and they don't, they stop because they don't understand their spouse. Um, you married, hopefully, someone of the opposite sex. They're different. You will not always understand them. And that is okay. And we have to remember that feelings are how they feel, even if they're wrong. And this was one of the, I would call a monumental, like, point in our marriage. Um. You want to tell a story or you want me to? So I, he noticed that I was feeling, I don't know. Upset. Upset. <laughs> I guess I was feeling upset. 
And he was like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, nothing. You know, sometimes those girls do that. And <laughs> he's like, no, like, what's wrong? I'm like, honestly, it's nothing. It's, it's stupid. He's like, it's not stupid if it matters to you. And I'm like, no, like, it's really, like, it's not, it's not a thing. It's just I'm working through it with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm being spiritual. And <laughs> he's like, will you please tell me if you are upset about something, I want to hear about it, and it matters to me. I'm like, all right, there's just, there's just this girl, and she kind of makes me uncomfortable. <sighs> and I just, I don't like that you talk to her a lot. And he's like, what? Okay. Where? When? What girl? So I explained the situation to him, and he's like, it was one of our volunteers. And he said, oh, do you want me to ask her to step down? I'm like, whoa, hold the phone. I just told you it was totally invalid. Like, I am in the room at the same time she is. It makes no sense for me to feel this way. It's not like they're alone. She's a volunteer in the room full of people, including me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, this makes no sense. This is something I need to work through. It's just silly. And he's like, no. What can I do to make you feel more comfortable? I don't care that it's not valid. You're right. I have no feelings for her. That makes no sense to me. But it makes sense to you. So I want to do whatever it takes to make you feel more comfortable. So I'm like, okay, well, I'd really appreciate it if you didn't go and play games with her, like the foosball or pool. And if when you're talking to her, I can be included. It's like, okay, done. And I was like, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah, <laughs> like, and immediately I felt like this huge like burden lift and this huge just like security and safety and I felt like wow that's amazing because that made no sense she was my friend <laughs> it's not like I didn't trust her or I didn't trust him or they were you know but he was just like it doesn't matter if it makes sense how you're feeling it matters that you're feeling it and that I can do something to make you feel better about it and that developed right away early in our marriage, such a strong foundation of trust that it, like, there was never again this question of, will he do whatever it takes to love me well? Sometimes the argument switches from how do I help you to who's right? And when we get into a who's right, we're set up to lose. When Let's be real. It doesn't matter who's right. I want her to enjoy being married to me. And if she has a stupid request, I am the only husband that she's got. I don't want her to find a different one. Like, if she wants to have her dreams come true, if she wants to enjoy her marriage, it may require me doing something stupid. Well, that's fine. I'll do something stupid. If that means I have to change a relationship, if that means hey, I need to communicate differently about um, not making it home straight after the designated time when work ends when it never actually ends. Like, whatever the case, if it makes a difference to her, then I want to help. And sometimes it's so easy to get into the, well, is it valid or is it not? I can defend my rights because I haven't done anything wrong and I'm within this so I can stand. But what good would that do? But when I just sit here and go, how can I help make marriage better for you? That changes things. And we had it there, but we've had it in different spots where it's stupid things. But it's like, hey, this bothers me. Rather than going through, like I remember one um, in the car, we were 
on the phone, she was on the phone, and the way that she worded stuff just placed all the blame on me for us being late somewhere. And I'm just like, what? Excuse me. Um, like That was one of those moments where I did not get it. He was like, do you realize what you just said? Yeah, I just said X, Y, Z. He's like, do you, do you realize it? But, like, you can't just say that like that. Like, do you know how that makes me feel? And I'm like, no, why would you care? Like, it's your fault. <laughs> but I just said it very much. I went, whoo, or I did not get it. But he was so good at continuing to communicate and being like, do you realize when you said it like that, this is how it makes me feel. And this is what it makes me think that you're thinking about me as well. And I was like, whoa, that is not what I thought that meant. I am so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to make you feel that way because that's not what was going on in my head. But when I said it, that's what it meant to him. And that's how it made him feel. And it's been amazing how many times in our marriage it's come up where it's, I'm the only husband you get. I'm the only wife you get. So what can I do to make you feel better? And when both parties are living that way, it makes marriage so good. And it just, it takes away this who's right. And it goes, how can I be a better spouse? And when we communicate, um, working to go, we're going to do this as a team, not who's the guilty party. Um, and I am thankful uh, during pre-marriage, I think, I think my brother made us read Love and Respect by Emerson Egrich. And it was so helpful in that it gave a framework for conversations and to come at this and not to go, hey, I'm going to attack, not to say, here's where you suck. Um, not to, but it can be easy to go, here's where you failed and you A, B, C, D. But when, when that happens, when someone's attacked, what's the most natural response? Defense. Defense and attack back. That is unproductive in your marriage. When everybody's swinging a sword, nobody's getting better. Um, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We can use our tongues to bring healing or to rip our marriages apart. And one of the things that he covered there that we've worked to implement has been going, all right, in this, rather than you, I can't believe you said A, B, and C. You're so rude, this, whatever. It's going, hey, when this happened, this is how I felt, or this this stunk because of this. All of a sudden, it takes it from you're being attacked and goes, you have a chance to come help me have a better marriage. You have a chance to help me have a better experience. And it takes them from being the villain to giving them the opportunity to be the hero. And it reverses the situation and allows us to navigate a challenge and a problem as a, and come out with a win rather than a survival. Well, um, we have a little bit of time to get to connect. We're hoping to finish with time for you guys to get to connect at your tables, to meet people, because life is better when we do it together. Um, so hang out for a little bit. Talk to people at your tables. We're going to hang out. If you have any questions you didn't want to text in, um, be blessed and have a great night.